Corey asked me if I was going to finish the series tonight. He's out of town this week and uh, with his job up in Alaska. I told him, you going to Alaska? Find us somewhere to hunt up there. <laughs> he said, I'm going to try. So I said, well, that'd be good if you do. If you don't, we'll get over it. Praise the Lord. But uh, he was asking me, was I going to finish the series? And I, I thought hard about it, and I said, I'd rather wait till Sunday to do that. And so I'll do that on Sunday. But in praying and asking the Lord what he'd have us to share, I tell you, I, I enjoyed from Palm Sunday all the way through Easter, I enjoyed studying on that, reading, and my devotion where it went from Palm Sunday if I were you, I wouldn't bet against. I wouldn't bet against Christ on His ability as the Son of God to do anything or to be whoever or whatever you need Him to be. I wouldn't bet against Him. And uh, then that Wednesday night leading up through Passion Week, what kind of man would kill Jesus? And that really stirred my heart as we pondered upon that. And Sunday on. Uh, the differences, the changes that the resurrection made in our life. And uh, I, I, I tell you, be truthful and honest, uh, the, the glory of the resurrection should not only be an Easter message, it really shouldn't. And I, right. I, want to, I want to start a series on the resurrection, just what it means to us, that the fact that Jesus is alive. Amen. And that should be a basic theme in all of our in all of our testimony as a Christian. Uh, he, he's a living Savior. Right. And this book, the Bible says the gospel is quick and powerful. The word quick there uh, isn't quick, you know, like fast, but it's translated alive. And the word of God's alive because God's alive. Yeah. Jesus yeah. is alive. He's the word made flesh. And this, this Bible is alive. Our preaching ought to be alive. Our worship ought to be alive. Yeah. Our testimony ought to be alive. Our prayer life ought to be lively. And uh, it should be the theme of our testimony. Because he lives, I live. Resurrection powers in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And so I'm alive because he's alive. I, I, wonder, I thought, Lord, we could just stay on that for a while, and I would enjoy every minute of it. But uh, the Lord really dealt with my heart toward this end, and uh, I don't know that I can even even do this justice because the topic's so big. I thought this is so big, I may get hung up on this, get hung up on one point, and we might make a series out of this. <laughs> Praise the Lord! So. Uh, I enjoy the Word of God. I do. Amen. It's fun for me to, to be able to dive in, dig in, and, and study it out. Uh, I love to exhaust <coughs> all of my resources trying to search the Scriptures. And to what end? So that I can be more like Him. I, I really do want to be more like Jesus. I pray He'll He'll work that self-same work in you tonight in this offering. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25. 
It reads, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it, or that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I want to preach to you on this thought tonight, a presentable church. A presentable church. Father, thank you for your word. I, I pray and ask, Lord, that you'll anoint us to preach tonight this scripture that you've given and laid upon our hearts, Lord, that we've studied and sought you for. I pray, oh God, anoint every ear to hear every heart to receive. And God, that you'll touch us around this altar tonight, doing everlasting work in us. Lord, you know every need of this house, and I pray you'll meet them all through Christ by his riches. Touch those, oh God, that are sick in body and in need of healing, myself being one. God, I, I pray you'll touch me tonight. Brother Eddie Morris, not here tonight, but needs a, a miracle in his body, in his back. Uh, Sister Darlene Rod, I, I want to remember her tonight, Lord, at home. I pray you'll touch her and heal her in her back as well. Others need a miracle, oh God, you're a miracle-working God. Baptize us tonight anew and afresh, the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I praise you for it in advance. We ask it in Christ's name. You love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. amen? A presentable church. And I take that from verse 27, that he, and the he being Christ, that he might present it, it being the church, to himself a glorious church. And the word present there in the Greek, uh, means to, it literally means, according to Strong's concordance, to stand beside. That is to stand beside him as his bride. Christ is going to present us to the Father as his bride when he comes and raptures us and calls us home. Right. Amen. That is going to be a glorious day. The Bible said that he will present it unto himself as a glorious church. And the word again, present, means to stand beside, to put something alongside of you on display, to show it off, to stand beside. He is going to have us as his redeemed standing right beside him, arrayed, adorned, decked, in his glory. Amen. There are listed in our text a few things that show us what has to happen in order for Christ to be able to present us as his bride. And uh, he likens it as a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then he tells us why. 
Christ gave himself for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So the first few things he mentions that has to happen in order for Christ to present us as his bride, a sanctification and cleansing has to take place if we intend to be a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I, I know that's not shamefully, it's not preached very much anymore. Sanctification and cleansing that has to take place in order for Jesus to present unto himself before the Father a bride. Surely we don't we don't think that Jesus is just gonna go pull somebody off the red light district and just present that to the Father. Here she is. I bought her. I paid for her. That's not bride material. That's not to say that Jesus didn't find people that make up his bride that once stood on the street corner. But once he found them, a work began in their life. A work of purification to make them his bride. I, I, I for one, that is one of the greatest and most viable parts of any testimony as a Christian is the work that has taken place in your life to change you. And most people won't give your testimony time of day. You're not a viable witness in their life if there's no change taking place. Right. If you just add Jesus to your life and say, hey, I'm a Christian, but when they see you on the job and you live just like they live, you sin the same sins that they sin, you talk like them, you go to the same places, you're entertained by the same things, but yet you want to be spiritual with them, that's no thanks. No thanks. You're no different than I am. They look for that work. They look for that change. They get it. And it, it, it's, it's a part of the interwoven part of our testimony that God has ordained in his bride. So a sanctification and cleansing has to take place. The word sanctify in the Greek means to render or acknowledge as holy, to separate from profane, from profane things and to dedicate unto God. That's a, both parts of that are very important. If you sanctify something, you take it and remove it from whatever you're separating it from, and then you dedicate it unto something else. That's what sanctification is. It's a removal from and a dedication to. God took my life from sin and dedicated my life under, or consecrated my life unto God. He translated me from darkness into the light. Amen. That's what sanctification is. I am no longer in sin 
but I am now in Christ. You, you understand there's a biblical contradiction when we make the statement. I know it sounds good, but it's error where, where the Bible's concerned to say, I am a sinner that's saved by grace. That sounds pretty. They've written songs about but we're not sinners. Do you know when you get born again, you're a saint. You're the chosen of God. You're a child of God. You're not a sinner, meaning by nature. You're holy by nature. Sin now grieves you instead of pleasing you. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things will become new. So you've been made partakers, the Bible said, of the divine nature. Adam's nature was a fallen nature, a sinful nature. Christ's nature was holy, conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of heaven, born of God, no sin in it, purity, holiness, righteousness. That's our nature. I love that that's holy. I love that that's pure. I love that that's righteous. I love the word of God. This world hates the word of God. I love godliness. I love righteousness. I love holiness. The world despises it. I walk in it free of guilt, free of shame, free of condemnation. Somebody walking in the flesh, uh, that's all they feel when they get around people that love righteousness, that love godliness, that love holiness. I remember years ago, years ago we were uh, in the school and Brother Clendenin said the first school that he run was in Beaumont. Ours in Bonifay was the second. And he said on the weekend, you had, you know, your free time, he said, and boys have been shut in with God. They went to a restaurant on Sunday. That was our only free days was on Sunday. He would go preach and we'd just go to church somewhere close by. It was too far away for me to be able to drive back and forth home. So, so they went to a restaurant. Each guy, you know, went to the stall and they were just, they were talking about the Lord going in, talking about the Lord while they were using the restroom over the stall, and somebody else was in there in one of the other stalls. He said, they come out, was washing their hand. The other guy come out, slammed the door. He said, you people, you're what's wrong with the world, judging everybody about your holy God. And he said, we weren't even talking to him. We're just talking to each other about the Lord, how good he is. How holy he is, how righteous he is. He's grafted us in to his body through Christ. We were thankful to be a part. He said, that man wasn't thankful. He'd come out and let us have it. Didn't know us. We weren't even talking about it. Look, that's a part of sanctification. You're no longer a part of this world system. I don't march to the, the beat of this world. The Antichrist, I, I'm not following him like a Pied Piper. Yeah, our government is. Yeah, this world system is. Yeah. Our, our school's educational philosophies 
They are, Hollywood has, for a long time, been marching to that beat, but not the child of God. To sanctify again means surrender or acknowledge as holy, to separate from the profane and dedicate or consecrate unto God to cleanse or to purify is what it means, to make clean from physical stain or dirt. To, if in using an illustration, a leper, it would be to cleanse by curing him, to remove the leprosy from that life uh, and to cleanse it by healing. We are, by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Do you know the blood of Jesus sanctified me from my sin unto God? Right. The Bible said he washed us in his own blood from our sin. Do you know where sanctification begins? At Calvary. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know it when it ends, when it calls you to glory. That's when it ends. It's a definite work. There's a definite place it began, and it is ongoing until we go home. In a moral sense, it means to free from defilement of sin or from fault, to purify from spiritual wickedness, or to free from the guilt of of sin. He said that that will be the work of Christ in the church that he might present the church unto himself a glorious church. He is going to present this church as a glorious church. So sanctification and cleansing are a must. The next uh, word that I really looked at to do a word study on, we see the things that have to happen in order for Christ to have a glorious church. And I ask the Lord, I understand sanctification and cleansing and the work that has to take place that I might be presented as your bride as a glorious church. What about that word glorious? What does it mean to be a part of the glorious church? And that word glorious in the Greek means to be in glory. That is to be splendid, to be noble, to be gorgeous or honorable. Anytime God reveals his glory in the scripture, it was always coming. I've never seen this before. This is where the this is where the study really got good for Brother Eddie. This is where God really began to talk to me. Anytime God reveals glory, if you want to be a part of the glorious church, a church that is swallowed up, adorned, decked in the glory of God. That and I found it very interesting that this word, one of the renderings for the word glory according to the Greek was gorgeous. Jesus is going to have a gorgeous bride. Right. You didn't think she was going to be ugly, did you? Right. <laughs> you don't think the Lord's got bad taste, do you? Right. You knew she was going to be gorgeous, didn't you? That's right. That's it. 
Hallelujah. Well, here's the wonderful part. You're going to be a part of it. Hallelujah. You're going to be a part of God is going to have a gorgeous or a glorious bride. Anytime God revealed glory in the scripture, it was always coupled with this, a change. Anytime you read about glory, you read about change. And I found this in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and it was all so good. Just a few verses, I said, well, I might as well read them all. Do we begin, this is Paul speaking, do we begin again to command ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of condemnation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, that's the law. The ministration of death. Do you know that sin came from the law in that the law teaches us that we're sinners. That's right. That's right. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Here was the thing with the law. The law was holy. The law was just. The law was righteous. The law was good. And man was not. And it was impossible through the weakness of man's flesh for him to keep the whole of the law. He was a lawbreaker. That was his nature, to break the law. As good as he wanted to be, as good as he tried to be, by nature, he's a lawbreaker. And the law came as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. What the law said, you need to be changed. This is holy, and you're not. What can I do about it? Well, the only thing God's not going to change is word. And man, that needs to be preached. Because in our generation, the law is holy and I'm not. What can we do to change it? We'll just water this down to where it's equal with this. Wrong. God said the law can't be changed. God is immutable. God is eternal and God is unchangeable. The law can't be changed, so I'll change you. How are you going to do that? Through Christ. Right. Amen. But if the ministration of death, that is, death came by the law, written and engraven in stones, was glorious. The giving of the law was a glorious thing. So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, 
which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in its glory. That's awesome. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Right. It's the Lord that takes away the veil. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's the turning from that old glory or that that is veiled, the unveiling, the word revelation in your Bible. The, revela the book of the revelation, not the book of revelations, plural, but it is the book of the revelation it is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Right. It's the pulling back of the curtain and allowing you to see the, the glorified Christ sitting on the throne. That's what the book of Revelation is. Right. He said, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Oh, when we enter into this glory, the liberty and the freedom and the joy that it brings. But we all with open face, not behind a veil, with open face beholding as in a glass, a mirror. The glory of the Lord are changed. There it is. Changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It is the job, the, the duty of the Holy Ghost to lift the veil from the law under Christ and to allow you to see that you're a sinner, you need to be saved, and in order for God to save you, he's going to uh, transform you. He is going to change you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the job and the work of the Spirit of God. And he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, then this liberty takes place and we as beholding with an open face the glory of the Lord are then changed from glory to glory. Glory is the, the, the appearance or the countenance or the nature or the being. As, as I behold Christ, this is why it's both instantaneous, that's salvation, and also ongoing. Is because the more I see Jesus, the more I see him, the more I know about him, then the more I'm being conformed unto him. Yeah, right. 
When people see advertisements, commercials, whether it's clothes or whatever kind of product, and they say, man, I like that. I want to try that out. I like that suit. I like the way it looks. I want to put that on. People, you know, fashion themselves after the latest fad or fashion. And mostly it's what Hollywood produces. And they set the they, they set the standard for the entire culture. Right. Right. I watched in my lifetime the European culture, which is those real low waistlines. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where the pants start way down here instead of up here. The low waistlines, that, that, that's European. Skinny jeans. European. You know what the what sets the standard in Europe? The world. Because it is a godless society. Atheistic in its policy, in its agenda, in everything that it produces. When the church is silent, then the God of this world, Satan, the Antichrist, sets this he, He's the one that Props the image up. Bow down to that image. Be conformed to that image. But we behold Christ. His image. As in a mirror. And we're changed from glory to glory. When Moses prayed, Lord, show me your glory. It'll come at a cost. What cost is that? It'll change you. It'll change you. You'll see my glory. But the more of me you see, the more Moses has to die. No man, he said, can behold my glory and live. Think about that. The more glory that's revealed, the more of you that has to die. And the more of Christ that has to be taken on. I must decrease so that he might increase. That was a message of John. It was a message of a, a transferring message from law to grace. John was the bridge from the Old Testament to the New. I have to now decrease uh, so that he can increase. Uh, there's about to be an unveiling. You're about to behold the faith, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is what the Bible says. That's, that's where we behold the glory is in Jesus. He is the express image of of the Father. When you see me, you see the Father. Jesus said to, be, to behold me is to see his glory. He was the answered prayer of Moses. Show me your glory. Want to see it? It's in my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. We behold Jesus. We're changed. Lord, show me your glory. He said, no man see my glory and live. Moses on that mountain with him, the more time he spent with God in the glory of God, God revealing himself, his nature, his holiness, his righteousness through his word. Moses come back down. Bible said his countenance shone. His face glowed like that of an angel. The people, when Moses came down from being in the presence of a thrice holy God, People trembled in their in their boots. Yeah. Oh, you're holy. 
Your presence convicts us of our sin. Cover your face. You make us feel guilty. You make us feel shameful. You make us feel like uh, we're going to die to hear the, and the Bible said that Moses veiled his face, not for his benefit, but for theirs. Their flesh, their nature couldn't take it. So Moses would veil the glory on his face and Paul renders it, their heart was veiled. Their heart was, he was covering up the face of God. He was covering up that that God always wanted man to see. The laws of schoolmaster is veiled in the law. There's typology, there's symbolism, but when Jesus came, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. John ripped the veil off and said, there he is, the glory of God. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. That's what John said of Jesus Christ. We beheld his glory. And then, so, so Moses was changed. The more glory he beheld, the more like Jesus he become until the people said, you're going to have to veil it because we don't want that kind of change in our life. Amen. I want to tell you, it, it, it's either change or be the same. And the change is to be glorified. It's to be a part of the glorious church. To stay the same is to be left be left out. Jesus is going to have a bride and she is going to be glorious. She's going to be glorious. She's going to be changed. Open-faced. Unveiled. In that Middle East, they veil a woman I forget which is which. I, I think it's the woman that's married's got to be veiled. Well, I tell you, the bride of Christ, unveiled, yeah. open-faced, beholding his glory. Amen. I'm being made like him. Yeah. He's changing me from glory to glory. What You're going to become whatever it is you constantly are gazing at. Right. You're going to fall in love with it. You're going to admire it. You're going to want it and you're going to conform to it. What you're always gazing at, that's what you're going to conform yourself to. And as you gaze upon him, as the Spirit of God shows you Christ in the Word of God, he is going to conform you unto Christ. That's the will of God. Amen. Curse if you come. I haven't even got on. I've really laid the foundation for a message, but I haven't got on any points. I want to, I, I am going to continue this message and preach on what it is to be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. How, all of those are points in this message, but I, I couldn't get past the 
here, here's where the rubber meets the road. The change that takes place. Anytime God reveals glory or gives glory, he requires change. We're changed from who we are to who he is. We're changed from Adam's nature to his nature. Paul said this to the Corinthian church. This is the goal of it all, to be changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus walks up to the top of Mount Transfiguration. The Bible said that he was glorified. Hear that? He was glorified. Just like this church is going to be glorified, Christ was glorified with the glory that he had with the Father in the beginning. Peter said, I saw it, and his countenance was changed. Anytime God reveals glory, change is coupled with it. And the word change there in that text is the Greek word metamorphosis. It means to be transformed from something unto totally something different. That's good. There's only two examples in nature of a metamorphosis. And that is a caterpillar to a blood butterfly. A caterpillar is not a butterfly. But a butterfly used to be a caterpillar. Right, right, right. That's a metamorphosis. And then the only other one that you find is a tadpole ain't a frog. But a frog used to be a tadpole. Amen. He had gills like a fish. He had a tail. He had, you know, no legs. The gills somehow close up. The tail falls off, legs sprout out. He ain't breathing underwater through gills anymore. He's got to come to the surface and breathe through his nose. Out of the water. A frog ain't a tadpole, but he used to be one. What happened? A metamorphosis happened. I can't explain it. It's something that happens in nature. Here's the only one I know of that happens uh, in the spirit realm. I used to be a sinner, but I ain't one no more. That'll make a mummy want to shout. I said, I used to be a sinner, but I ain't one no more. <laughs> a sinner ain't a saint, but a saint used to be a sinner. What? Hallelujah. I said, a sinner ain't a saint, but a saint used to be a sinner. What happened? I got changed. A metamorphosis happened. And in order for, in order for you to be a part of the glorious church, change had to take place. When Peter was on that mountain, he said, I saw change in Jesus. I mean, the spotless one, the holy one was glorified with the glory that he had in the beginning with the Father. He put off that veil of flesh 
that Mary gave him when she gave birth to him. He was glorified with the glory that the Father gave him in the beginning. The Bible said even his raiment and his clothing glowed in a glorious light. Amen. A change. You notice after the resurrection, nobody. Mary's at the tomb. Sir, if you'll show me where you laid him, I'll go take him away. He said, Mary, only when she heard his voice. On the road to Emmaus, why are you so sad? Haven't you, well, what happened? Are you a stranger? Don't you know? He walks in to where the disciples are. They think they're seeing a ghost. But he said, peace unto you. Touch my hands. See where they drove the nail. See where they drove. Then when they saw it was Jesus, were they glad? There was something, even though they'd been with him all the while, there was something changed about it. He was now in a glorified body. Even then there was a change. We'll know each other as we're known. But don't you know there's going to be a, a, a change take place? Don't you know what we are? is more, or, or what we're going to be, is more than what we are now. Yeah, Do you think arthritis is going to make it into the city? Everybody that's got gray in their hair said, Lord, no. All you young ones, you don't know what I'm talking about yet. Do you think arthritis, Brother Ray, is going to make it into the city? Ain't going to be no author in there. Oh no, I'm going to leave these down here. You hear me? I'm leaving these here. going to be no need for them in the city. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. We're going to leave all that stuff behind. What we are now ain't what we're going to be then. The Bible said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Think about that. The Bible said that when we shall see him, right there in that same chapter, but we know that when he shall appear, he said, brethren, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We will all be changed. We will all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Corruption is going to put on incorruption. Mortal will put on immortality. It's going to be a change. But before that change comes, this change is going to come. Starts at Calvary. Certainly don't end there. He is going to present unto himself a glorious church. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with washing by the water of the word 
that he might present it unto himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or blemish. A presentable church. If there's one thing I want to be is I want to be in that number that he calls home when the trump of God sounds. Whatever you got to do in me to make me presentable at your appearing, Lord. You just have your way in my heart and in my life. Whatever it is that needs to be done, you just do it. You have your way in my life. It's my prayer. I want to make it in the city. Ain't nothing but Jesus going to make it in. The whole working of the Holy Ghost is to change me from what I am to who he is to make me like him. Lord, let that work continue in my heart and I'll be more like him than I've ever been when I leave this house tonight. How many of you make that your prayer? Meet me around this altar tonight.